called the fake news the enemy of the people, and they are. It's a serious question. I, I appreciate your passion. I share it. I've addressed this question. I've addressed my personal feelings. And I want you all to know that we are fighting the fake news. You're listening to Just Ask the Question, adventures in reporting with your host, Brian Karam. So welcome back once again to Just Ask the Question. I am your host, Brian Karam, and today it's a joy to be sitting with Senator Chris Van Hollen. And uh, Senator, you just got out of a very interesting two days, I suspect. Uh, I did, and Brian, it's good to be with you uh, on this show. Uh, This has been a wild 48 hours uh, for the Congress and for the country uh, because what you're seeing coming to, to head here is what I believe has been sort of the gross deception uh, of the Attorney General of the United William States. William Barr lied. And, you know, it's, it's Did he really not? hard to say that. Well, let me put it this way. He deliberately misled uh, myself and the Congress uh, and the public uh, on numerous occasions. Uh, is it perjury? Starting with the, starting with the four-page uh, memo and then— yeah his uh, failure to disclose important information in response to my question. So uh, before you get into the question of whether he intentionally lied, uh, I think you have to really have an opportunity to to question him in detail on his, his state of mind. And while there were some questions asked today at the Senate Judiciary Committee hearing, uh, they did not afford a full opportunity to, to drill down on this, and he was very slippery. Uh, in the responses that he did give. So, look, here's, here's what we know. Uh, we know that he had received a letter from uh, Bob Mueller, and in that letter, Bob Mueller said that he had concerns uh, with the attorney general's uh, conclusions and other things that were laid out in that, in that letter. And yet when I asked him, point blank, uh, when I asked the attorney general, whether Bob Mueller supported his conclusions, uh, he said he did not know. Uh, but at that time, he'd had this letter, so he certainly knew right. that Mueller had expressed reservations. So, look, uh, there, there are lots of, you know, word games people can play here, but we got to get beyond the word games. I think the main thing here is where do we go next? And So just asking the question, the title of the program— should we impeach him or ask him to resign? Is that where we go So next? we should definitely have him resign, and I've called upon him to resign because we need an attorney general we can trust. I mean, that's sort of the, that would be the, nice. the core uh, requirement of any attorney general, regardless of political party, regardless of who they work for. They have to be the people's lawyer and not the propagandist for the president of the United States. And Barr has uh, totally undermined his credibility uh, over a series of, you know, statements and misstatements and misrepresentations. So he can no longer be an effective attorney general because everybody wants their chief law enforcement person or their chief administrator of justice to be impartial and fair, and he clearly is not. So he should resign. He needs to do the right thing and resign. As for whether he should be impeached, uh, here's the question. The House of Representatives right now is facing so many different Challenges. Um, challenges. I mean, and they've got an administration that everywhere you turn, there's malfeasance and wrongdoing, and you have a president stonewalling uh, the Congress on all sorts of issues. So they've got to figure out how to prioritize. I mean, their biggest challenge 
is how do you prioritize all your ongoing investigations to focus on the, it's the key issues? It's a hot mess. It is a tough challenge. Um, I do want to point out that even as they do their job on oversight, they have been passing a lot of legislation. And That's I think true. this is important to point out because you would think from, you know, the president of the United States that all they're doing is investigations. They've actually passed a whole series of important bills, right? You know, closing <laughs> yeah. the gun show loophole, a major piece of legislation on uh, reforming uh, our democratic procedures to make sure everyone's vote counts, uh, equal pay for equal work. Where are all those bills? They're over here in the United States like Senate, Senate, right? <laughs> it's the Senate that is right now a do-nothing organization. Mitch McConnell is not moving any legislation. He changed the rules unilaterally yep. so that he could have more votes on more judges and nominations. But that's all the Senate's doing. So the legislative accomplishments of the House Democrats are piling up here in the Senate. And the American people need to know that because these are all important initiatives that the public supports. So I, to, to, <laughs> you have to break a lot of this stuff down, but let's start with what this administration has done. You talk about the attorney general lying to you. We also have a press secretary who's documented in the Mueller report lying. We already knew that, having to deal with the administration on a daily basis. And there isn't a day I walk into that White House, and that's four days a week when I'm there, that I don't get lied to. It's got to be difficult on this end in the Senate to deal with it because you have a Republican majority. And the question always comes down to, they, I, I talk to the members of the GOP. They don't like the guy any more than anybody else. But he's bringing them the legislation, the judges, that they want. So they hold their nose. What's it going to take to move them off that rock? I think there are two issues, Brian. I think, you know, it's, it's partly the judges, but I think the bigger issue uh, for them is fear of being um, primaried, fear of having another Republican challenge them in their Senate primaries and having the president weigh in uh, supporting their challengers. They just don't want to be on the wrong end of a, of a Trump tweet because the reality is that at least among Republicans— the president remains very popular. Now, the number of people around the country who identify as Republicans has gone down. But as that number shrinks, it becomes more concentrated with people who say they support Trump. And those are the people who show up in primaries uh, and determine who will be the Republican Senate nominee. So uh, what you have, I'm afraid to say, is you know, sort of pure sort of political cowardice uh, here where you know people don't want to cross uh, Donald Trump. They don't want to be the wrong end of a tweet, and they don't want him to come in and support their opponent in a primary. I understand that to a point, but not every member of the Senate is up for re-election in 2020. Those that are safe, it would seem that it would behoove them to be on the right side of history at some point in time. And well, I'm assuming I, we are. <laughs> yeah, no, I, uh, yes, I hear you, and I do think uh, you're absolutely right that, uh, a good number of uh, our Senate Republican colleagues will, uh, you know, confidentially uh, admit that uh, they think this, you know, president is way off track, that he's doing a lot of damage on a lot of issues. As you say, there are some areas where they are standing with the president, uh, judges being one, yeah. tax cuts uh, for being very rich yeah. people and big corporations 
uh, being another one. Oh, Larry Kudlow preaches that chapter in first. Well, him and Mick Mulvaney and yeah. uh, Kevin Hassett. I mean, you get them and they just, they toot their, I mean, they love it. Yeah. But that, I, but otherwise they don't like him. But the thing that let's, when we look at what's gone on in the last 48 hours with, with Barr and the Mueller report, there are a lot of people talking, I would say talking out of their hindquarters because they have not read the Mueller report. Have you read it? I have read the report. I've read it twice now going yeah. through it. There are what I find most disturbing and what I, the question, I guess, at the end of the day for everyone, because I think it's the most overriding important issue, whether you're a Republican or Democrat, and even Barr doesn't, doesn't make any bones about it, Russia interfered successfully in our elections in 2016. Now, the Trump people may be the gang that couldn't shoot straight. They may have wanted to conspire with them, but just were too ineffective at doing it. And that yeah. was documented in the Mueller report. Yes, it was. But volume two of that report outlines obstruction pretty much. Yes. And it's a guide. I say it's a guidebook for wise people to use wisely. Are there enough wise people to understand how it should be used? In the Senate and the House? Yes, I think so. I mean, you've got the uh, 10 instances in Volume 2 uh, that, you know, Mueller documents um, as providing a significant amount of evidence uh, for obstruction of justice. Uh, and, you know, some of the uh, most obvious examples are where the president is trying to derail the Mueller investigation yes. by fire, by getting McGahn, his, you know, the White House lawyer, to fire Mueller. And then, of course, uh, the president telling McGahn to tell the world that, hey, the president never asked me right. <laughs> to fire. So you've got this whole uh, series of actions taken by the president uh, that clearly uh, can add up to obstruction of justice. And, and clearly Mueller wanted the Congress to have hearings and make these determinations. Uh, and instead, uh, Barr jumped in and substituted uh, his judgment. My view is right now— uh, Priority number one when it comes to the report is to get Bob Mueller before the Congress. We need to hear directly from Mueller. I agree. Uh, we also need to hear from the other primary witnesses in that report, like Don McGahn, because as you just indicated, this is a 400-plus page report, yes. right? And what happened was you had Attorney General Barr go out within 48 hours of getting it and putting his, his spin on it. So and you the, know, damn well he didn't read the whole thing right. in 48 hours. Well, he admitted today, actually, yeah, in testimony yeah. that uh, he didn't yeah. uh, look at all, the whole report. We knew that before yeah. he admitted it. Uh, and uh, But what I'm getting at is the, the, the public only knows what they heard from the Attorney General. They only know what they hear in these bits and pieces of the hearing we had today with Barr, what they really need to do is they need to hear from Mueller and McGahn, unfiltered, Yes, and uh, because they can tell the story. And then the American people can decide. will make a judgment right now as to whether or not they really want a president uh, who engaged in this kind of uh, conduct. First in the campaign, where they clearly, they, the Trump campaign, clearly welcomed Yes, help they did. from the Russians. That's very clear in this report. They retweeted a Russian. Uh, there you go. They, they promoted what some yeah. of the Russian things were in the rallies. Yeah. There were millions of people that were touched. All of that is documented in the report. That's exactly right. And so, you know, I think we need to have these hearings sooner rather than later um, where we hear from the, the main characters. 
Well, so, but going back to the, the real crux of the matter, Russia interfered in the 2016 election. And I don't see, and you correct me if I'm wrong, I don't see us taking steps to ensure that the 2020 election is going to be safe. And in fact, those who are on the inside in the White House, and these are staffers who I trust who tell me he, he doesn't want to touch that issue. No. This is gross negligence uh, by the United States government, starting with the uh, Trump administration. Uh, we know that uh, he didn't want to hear about Russian interference from the former Secretary of Homeland Security, right? He, right. in fact, instructed people, they instructed her not to bring it up with the president. Uh, and uh, we know that he always takes Putin's word on this, as he did in Helsinki, where he said, I don't believe my own intelligence uh, agencies. I believe Vladimir Putin. Um, and so, you know, the, the president, um, you know, clearly refuses uh, to admit what everybody else knows, um, which is that the Russians interfere in the election and they, rush, they interfered to help him. So where do we go from here? And uh, that's my question. <laughs> what we need to do, in my view, is pass a piece of legislation that uh, Marco Rubio and I have introduced. It's called the Deter Act. It's very straightforward. And what it does is say if we catch the Russians interfering in our elections again, there will be immediate, severe economic sanctions, not on a couple oligarchs, but on the Russian banking sector on the Russian energy sector. So if you're Vladimir Putin and you're doing your cost-benefit analysis about whether it's worth mucking around again, interfering in a U.S. election, this time you'll know that if you get caught, and we will catch them if they interfere, that you're going to get the biggest punch in the face and your economy is going to get a big punch in the face. And so that will definitely cause them to think twice because right now, um, they get to interfere and there's no penalty to pay. Yeah, there's no In fact, they have the president of the United States saying, oh, it's not happening. So we need to raise the price to the Russians. That's why Rubio and I have introduced this legislation. Well, We're trying does. to get a vote. So um, I've spoken to the, the – this is in the banking committee. Uh, the right. chairman of the banking committee is Mike Crapo. Um, he's expressed an interest. He's not made any commitment. Uh, but uh, Senator Rubio and I spoke just yesterday about – a full court press uh, to get a vote on this in the banking committee. Last year, um, after you know the president threw our intelligence agencies under the bus in Helsinki in that meeting with right. Putin, uh, Mitch McConnell expressed uh, support for the approach that we took in this uh, deter act. And then, of course, he you know off. it all backed off. But I think with two things: the Mueller report and the most recent statements from uh, Chris Ray, the FBI director, that the Russians intend to interfere again in 2020 if we don't do something, um, then people are going to have to answer the very simple question. You know the Russians are coming again to interfere in our elections. Why won't you support a piece of legislation that says if we catch you, there will be a big price to pay, right? There are bills to put, new sa to put just sanctions on Russia right now. Right. That's not what this bill does. This is contingent sanctions. We catch you, you will pay a very severe price. And so what do you give the chances of that passing? Well, I, I, so what we're calling for is a, a series of hearings where, we, where we're going to take testimony from uh, different administrative wit administration witnesses. I, the FBI director uh, is uh, 
scheduled to come before the Appropriations Committee, one of the committees I serve on, um, mm. soon. And we'll, I'm sure he will be asked uh, about uh, Russian interference. Uh, I asked Secretary Pompeo uh, whether he supported the concept behind the, the Deter Act uh, just a few weeks ago. And His answer said? was yes, he supports the concept. We were working with them to nail down the details. Now, look, I, I've been through this. Yeah. I, 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 look, I know, the, I know how the rope-a-dope <laughs> thing works, uh, so we, we will see, but we will keep um, I mean, you hear one thing out of, the, out of the staff, yeah, I agree. and then the president says something else, and then you hear something else. Yeah. And so yesterday, that, and that goes back, how do you trust anything that comes out of this White House? Yesterday, both Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer, and I was there, stood there and said a $2, million or $2 trillion infrastructure and the president's on board with it. Okay, fine. But in November, after the midterm elections, I, I was the guy in the press conference who asked him if he could continue to work with the Democrats if he were being investigated. He said, no, war footing. So now he says he's going to work with the Democrats. Why should I believe a word of that? As Why should anyone in the American public believe that this president will work with the Senate or the Congress? Oh, I think the track record is very clear that this president says one thing on Monday and a different thing on Tuesday. And no, I, he doesn't wait till Tuesday, okay. Chris. It's Monday hours, afternoon. Hours. <laughs> Minutes. Um, and so it's interesting you raised that uh, point about the uh, meeting at the White House on infrastructure. I made the same point you just did to my colleagues, which is, you know, if we haven't learned by now that, you know, the president cannot be trusted to keep his word, uh, shame on us, because that's what we've seen time and again. We saw this, of course, uh, last year when it came to the issue of immigration reform. Right. Uh, the president was at the White House. He talked about how we were going to do a great, big, beautiful deal on immigration. Right. And he said to members of the House and Senate, go work out an agreement. We actually came back with a bipartisan agreement. The president blew it up. I remember after the awful shootings uh, down in Parkland, Florida, he had all the members of Congress around uh, the table at the White House. Uh, he even talked about passing a semi-automatic assault weapon. You remember, right? I so, remember no, it. this is— this is. I may know, have asked that Trump. question, too. Yeah. So, look, uh, let me just say the difference here on the Deter Act is we're not, we're not, we're not counting on the president here. Uh, what Marco Rubio, Senator Rubio, and I are trying to do is to get— Democrats and Republicans in the Senate to focus on this threat to our elections. And the only theme in today's hearing with Attorney General Barr that was bipartisan was the issue of Russian interference in our elections and what are we going right. to do about it. So uh, our, we're not trying to get, get Trump himself to say yes to this. Because uh, it doesn't matter if he right, does. Right. So what we're trying to do is say, look, let's be serious about this. Uh, we all know that they interfered in 2016. We know they plan to interfere again in 2020. Let's do something about it. That brings me to the next. I, I have been a reporter for 36 years. I've covered every president since Reagan. I, you're about my age. You've been involved in government for as long. Have you ever seen anything like this? No, I mean, not in my lifetime and, you know, trying to read a little bit of history. I mean, you know, not before. Nothing like this. Now, obviously, our country's been through very trying and turbulent times, um, you know, much tougher uh, times in terms of the conditions in the country uh, that we face today. I mean, we went through a brutal civil war. We've gone through much more turbulent moments in terms of yeah. social movements. But... Um, in terms of a president of the United States uh, who is um, delusional, who 
never can tell the American people the truth, says one thing one day, one hour, yeah. something else the other, and where it's also obviously documented, and yet he you know, is retaining a core level of support. We all know that this president uh, has never tried to really expand uh, his Base. support or broaden his support he, in the country. He does, uh, and he intensifies uh, support within an existing narrow base. And, you know, the question, of course, for 2020 is whether uh, a president who, you know, runs by simply catering to a very small but dedicated group of supporters um, can can succeed. And we need to make sure that uh, our candidate, the Democratic candidate for president, is somebody who has broad and and deep support from the American people. And so that that is really part of what this is all about, too. The Democrats, I have said, the Republicans are going to hold their nose and vote for this guy. The Democrats seem to be engaged in a, and, and it was what I think Obama warned against, is shooting each other in the foot. I call it eating their own. It seems like the Democrats are searching for that perfect candidate, and they're never, you're never going to find the perfect candidate. So can the, Republic, can the Democrats pull themselves together enough to understand, A, why he was elected the first time, and B, thwart it the second time around? Do you have faith that the Democratic Party can do that? I have confidence uh, that we can do that, but I would hasten to add that uh, you know, anybody who thinks this is going to be a cakewalk is deluding themselves. I mean, I think a lot of people uh, believed— um, I think it's yeah. as delusional as he yeah, is. Yeah, I mean, I think people believed after, you know, November 2016 that, you know, this was a, a total one-off, a total fluke. It could never happen again. Uh, the reality is that uh, we need to work hard every day to make sure that it doesn't happen uh, again because it's been— uh, it's been really terrible for the country. This is a president who has, you know, tried to raise himself up by tearing other people down, by dividing Americans against one another based on religion, on race, on ethnicity, um, and really undermines the whole idea of what it means to be an American, where people come from all over the world. And, you know, if they believe in the American dream and play by the rules and support the Constitution— you know, right. We will all thrive. It would be nice uh, if the president It would be nice if the president supported the Constitution, which is why, you know, his whole approach uh, is really a dagger at the heart of, you know, what we've always held dear in this country, which is the rule of law, uh, separation of powers, opportunity for all. We don't care, you know, what your background is or what your race is or what your religion is. Uh, we just, uh, you know, if you, if you play by the rules— um, you can make it in America, and the president uh, has essentially He's showing taken that it. even if you don't play by the rules, if you got a lot of money, you, you can make it in America. Well, you make it, yeah, and and that he will help uh, you, you by giving you a America. big tax cut, and you can do more stock, you know, buybacks uh, for big corporations. So it's disgraceful what's happening uh, across the board, and uh, it's going to be very important that the Democrats come up with um, uh, a candidate that can can take him on. I I I think we. We can do that. Uh, we have a lot of good candidates uh, out there right now. It is very important that we keep our eye on the ball as to what the ultimate goal is. My, my next question, when I asked this of uh, John Yarmouth, he said it's close enough to five. We're both Kentucky boys, and he broke out the bourbon before he answered <laughs> it. And we sat down for a couple of drinks, but I'll ask it without the bourbon. 
Do we proceed with impeachment against Trump prior to the 2020? Would you support that? So first, let me say a word about bourbon, because I know that uh, Yarmouth likes to brag about his Kentucky bourbon. Yes, and he it's, does. It's pretty good. I mean, uh, he and I have shared a couple of bourbons uh, together. Yeah. But I will say, you know, Maryland is catching up fast. <laughs> we have some good distilleries in the state of Maryland. Um, well, I'll in, drink a Maryland Including old line whiskey. Yeah. And there, we have a lot of great uh, distilleries and breweries and, frankly, vineyards and wineries. So, you know. Maryland is doing well, plus we have Maryland crabs and all good there things, go. Maryland. Look, That's better here, than Kentucky Burgoo. <laughs> I, I, I think the, the, the issue on I- impeachment, I'm serious about this, is going back to my earlier point. This is why it's really important to have hearings. Now, we know in the House where we have Mueller, where we have McGahn, where the American people can hear the full story of what happened. Uh, not the story as spun by the attorney general, uh, because no, you know, no sane person whose job doesn't require it has read the 400-page Mueller uh, report. I mean, you've read it, I've read it, others have read it, but I mean, let's face it. I mean, most but, of the American public but, has not, yeah, and, and I've been told right. mostly by Trump supporters that they're not going to read it. Okay. So all the more reason that we need to have testimony uh, so people can hear what's actually in this report in an unfiltered way. Uh, and then, uh, then the House will have to decide what their priorities are. Obviously, you know, holding the president to the rule of law is an important priority. Uh, they also you know, have to make sure they pursue their other work. And so... After that testimony, they're going to have to reach a decision um, on whether or not to move forward. The fear, of course, is that it'll energize his base even more. But I don't understand that because maybe you would energize the Democratic base even more. And there are more registered Democrats than Republicans. But Lindsey Graham certainly has no problem wanting to go after Hillary Clinton for something that's been investigated multiple times. And the Democrats seem reticent to go after Trump for something that's far more egregious. Isn't that of a concern to the American? How do you explain that to the American voting public? Well, I think the Democrats uh, are going after wrongdoing by President Trump. Uh, and that is exactly why you know the House is going to be moving forward on the hearings. In addition to getting Mueller in front of uh, uh, the the committees in the House. Uh, you also have the House Intelligence Committee, and I think the House Financial Services Committee, uh, subpoenaing Deutsche Bank. Uh, That's interesting. Well, this is important, a point, because as you know, in addition to the Mueller investigation, you heard, there are at least, what, 12 other uh, yes. investigations that have been spun off on this. On top of those, you have the uh, attorney, you know, the New York state attorney, you have state's attorneys around the country. Maryland. You just had in Maryland, uh, you have Maryland cases going on. You just had the, and the U.S. District Court for the District of Columbia uh, say that they're not going to dismiss uh, the Emoluments Clause case that right. um, Senator Blumenthal and many of us uh, brought. I'm a, I'm a party to that case along with Senator Blumenthal. 
Um, that issue, of course, goes to you know whether or not the president is actually standing up for the American people or, or taking bribes, or, or well, or, or whether he's doing the the bidding of of, of foreign interests uh, who are serving his business interests. So you've you've got that going on. Uh, the Deutsche Bank. I've been trying to subpoena. I've been excuse me. I'm, Senator Warren and I, Elizabeth Warren, have been trying to get. Uh, the Senate Banking Committee to do an investigation of Deutsche Bank for the last two years. We've sent multiple letters. Um, the you know the chairman of the committee, the Republican chairman of the committee, uh, doesn't want to move forward, but they are moving forward in the House, right? And right. and they've subpoenaed Deutsche Bank, and now you've got the president's lawyers going and filing a lawsuit to prevent Deutsche Bank from you know, turning what over the records. They, exactly. No, I mean, look, I mean the. The, the president's lawyers are now trying to plug every hole that's beginning to sprout. So what I'm what I'm saying is that yes, let's have the the Mueller key character witnesses testify, but let's also allow these other very important investigations to play out, and then we can get a sense of where the American people are on these issues. I, I do want to again emphasize the point that as the House does this work. Um, they need to keep addressing the fundamental issues that you know people talk about when they gather around the, the family dining room table, um, and they are doing that. They can walk and chew gum at the same time. They can have a they can they multitask. Can, they can multitask. They can have you know hold the president accountable on the one hand or and work to do that, and you know pass important legislation on the other. When I like you to walk me through, if you could, the the big concern over the question that you asked. Uh, William Barr, and his answer, and whether or not it exposes him to perjury. What was your question? What was his answer? And does it expose him to perjury? I know it, but we're not going to put it here. I'd like you to walk me through it. Right. So I, I was asking uh, the Attorney General a series of questions uh, as to how it was that he exonerated the president on the issues of obstruction of justice um, when Mueller did not, right? Mueller expressly did not exonerate the president on obstruction well, of justice. He used those words, is right? not an exoneration. Yes. He of... used those words very deliberately. Yes. And so I was asking the attorney general a series of questions about how was it that in a period of 48 hours, he, the attorney general, um, unilaterally found that uh, the president did not commit criminal obstruction of justice. And he was weaving and, and dodging and refusing to answer those questions. And so that's when I asked him, uh, does Bob Mueller support your conclusions? And his answer to that question was, I don't know whether or not Bob Mueller supports those conclusions. Well, what we know from Bob Mueller's letter is that Bob Mueller raised serious questions about the very conclusions that were outlined uh, in the Attorney General's four-page memo. And uh, I, if you look at the language of that Mueller letter, it's very uh, damning. Very damning. He, he specifically says that uh, he doesn't think that the Attorney General's memo uh, provides the full background into the substance, the substance of Mueller's conclusions. Right. So clearly, the Bob Mueller 
was sending the Attorney General a letter saying that he had concerns with the conclusions that were reached by Barr. And what were those conclusions? There were really only two. One was a conclusion on uh, that the president did not commit criminal conspiracy in, you know, colluding with the Russians to interfere. Um, the other one was the issue of obstruction of justice. And, uh, you know, Mueller made one finding, but Mueller did not make um, the finding that exonerated the president on obstruction of justice. So uh, when Mueller wrote to Barr and said, you know, I have concerns about your conclusion, that's what he was talking about. And that's yeah. exactly what I was asking Barr about. And he knew. And he knew. He, had, he was in possession of the letter. He, you know, he'd read yeah. the letter. So, so by saying he didn't know, he clearly was misleading me and the Congress. And the, the, the question then, you know, and I understand it, is, you know, what is the sanction? And, you know, my view is he should resign. Um, as to whether or not the House should, you know, begin a, you know, impeachment proceeding, it really is a, a question for them of, of priority, right? <laughs> who, who do you I mean, impeach first? <laughs> look, I mean, this reminds me of the James Carville saying, right? It's like being a mosquito in a nudist colony. There's so many targets, you don't know where to start. I mean, so that is their challenge, right? They've got to, they got to prioritize, they got to focus on what's important. And, I, and given all the things on their plate, um, you know, I, I, I'm going to leave it to them to decide whether or not to begin impeachment. But, but what I can say for sure is the attorney general has, you know, lost any credibility that he had. I've been suspicious of this attorney general since he wrote that, you know, long letter yeah. a long time ago, the job application, the love, um, letter. The love letter that uh, obviously led the president to say, here's, here's my here's, guy. Yeah, here's my guy. Here's my guy. <laughs> here's my the guy, guy I need. And here's you know, my Roy Cohn. Every day, including today, uh, the attorney general um, proves the president right on that question. He is his guy. So has he opened himself up for perjury charges? So uh, again, a, a perjury. Look, this is. I mean, this, that's the, the question, and it's it's real simple. Yeah. Yes or no? Well, I I think in order to determine the intent, right? That's of how the you intent, would determine. You you really need to sit down and have more of a questioning of Barr. Now, this is going to come up again tomorrow. Uh, in the House hearings. Oh, the Mueller report is the gift that keeps giving. And so, <laughs> I, I, as we speak, I don't know if they've resolved the issue about whether or not Barr is going to testify for sure right. tomorrow in the House. Uh, but uh, I think that um, th there were some questions asked today in the Senate, uh, but uh, the Attorney General was, you know, very good at ducking them. Well, this whole administration hairs. ducks and dodges and right. dives. Right. I get tired right. of it. So uh, I don't know how you do. We we'll have to make a determination as what the best way forward is at this. So point. when when I, when he says Barr says it's okay to lie because the president didn't do anything illegal, which is in essence what was said today. What's your reaction to that? Well, it is a sign of how far um, our sort of 
view of what's acceptable from a, a White House and a president has fallen with this president, right? I mean, yeah. what, there are, what they're saying is that um, you, you can lie, you know, it's okay for the president to lie with abandon. It's okay for the president to encourage other people to lie so long as he's not encouraging them to lie under oath. Yes. Right? So they the, always clean themselves right. up when they so, get under oath. So the president, what, what, what essentially uh, this White House is saying and what Rudy, Rudy Giuliani is saying is that, hey, it's okay if the president of the United States lies. It's okay if he lies with abandon. Um, so long as he doesn't lie under oath. You know, I, I would think people would catch on, you know, because the president's always claiming that all these, uh, you know, people are, are lying. He says he's now saying McGahn, right? right? McGahn story, that's not true. Do you remember when Trump was publicly beating himself on the chest saying how much he wanted to testify under oath to Bob <laughs> Mueller, right? Oh, I want... I want to come. I want the American people to hear this. I want, I want to testify yes. under oath to Bob Mueller. Here's my view. The, the, no one should allow the president to call anybody else a liar until the president agrees to testify under oath, subject to penalty of perjury. Until the president's willing to do that, I don't think anybody can believe a word the president says. And when the president accuses other people like his own White House lawyer, yeah. Don McCann, of making up stories, my answer is, okay, Mr. President, Don McCann went under oath. He was in a deposition with Mueller. You do that. Why didn't you do that? Because you knew that if you got under oath with Bob Mueller, you were in trouble. You were in trouble because you lie every day to the American people. But if you lie when you're under oath and commit perjury, then you're had. And so that's why he refuses to do it. Let me close with this. I've talked to many people, and I, as I said, I, I walk into the White House with a sense of dread these days. Um, has he done irrevocable harm, or is there hope for the U.S. and the dream of a democracy? Is it still alive? You know, I'm a big believer in the resilience of our democracy. I, I, I really am. Uh, I think he's doing incredible damage. Don't get me wrong. I think he's doing incredible damage here at home. I think he's doing even bigger, more damage uh, to uh, our relations uh, overseas. I mean, oh, yeah. you have all these, you know, countries. I mean, look at Saudi Arabia, right? I mean, they go and murder a journalist who's living in the United States, who's a, you know, columnist for the Washington Post. And this president of this White House helped cover up for the crown prince yes. uh, when our own CIA and intelligence agencies know that the crown prince was implicated in this. Uh, you've got other countries that are locking up journalists um, because they're claiming, whoa, fake news, right? Any journalist in a foreign league. country now that challenges the authorities in that country, oh, that's fake news. Lock them up. This is, this is very damaging uh, to the whole idea of America as a beacon for democracy, for freedom, uh, for the rule of law, uh, all the things John McCain, Senator McCain, talked about as being so fundamental and important to what America, America stands for. This president has thrown it under the bus, and that will take a lot of time uh, to repair. But again, I, I believe if you look at the arc of uh, our country's history, um, you know, we've had some really, really tough periods, uh, but 
we have continued over time, uh, over time on a, a bending the arc toward justice, as well, Dr. King would say. As Dr. King would say. Well, we'll close with that. I'll say that uh, the president claims he's the most transparent president we've ever had, and on that, I think we all might agree. <laughs> Not in the way he believes. Senator it, it, Chris Van Hollen, thanks for joining us. I know you have other places to be, and I really appreciate this. I hope we can do it again sometime. Absolutely. Thank you. Thanks for what you're up to. Oh, we try. Again, just ask the question. We'll catch you next time.